Uh, Joe's son, Steve Vines, how are you? Oh, Joe's son, to you. To you too. And uh, good morning. No, well, we're at it. A few things happened in history today. I've got to rack my brains. What, go so on, It go was 1066, on. William and the Conqueror. That. Yes, there was that. That was, um, um, there was, in, the that 18... was in an offshore island from Europe, that wasn't was, it? Yeah. Yes. Then there was... Um, Somebody called Norman was involved. Norman was Norman, yeah, <laughs> yes. he was a good lad. And then there was penicillin was discovered today. That was in the 18... Whatever. Yeah, yeah, Nothing yes. happened in 2014, to my knowledge. Except for one... Thing. Well, a few people went for a walk. Yeah, Big walk. and then didn't sort of move. Yeah. But no, shall we be serious? Move on, please. Shall we be serious? Because no, this is a very, very serious programme. Um, so we're talking about the third anniversary of the Umbrella Movement. And um, I, I, I think, like all anniversaries, you know, it's, it's a good opportunity to, to reflect on what happened. But I'm, I'm, instead of doing, perhaps looking at it from that end, I'm, I'm just wondering what would have happened if it hadn't happened, if you see what I mean. You know, would there be... People say, after the Umbrella Movement, society was more divided, there was more oh, polarisation. Good, good angle, newsman. Hey, I've done this before, you know. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So my question is this. If you hadn't had what, what did occur um, on three years ago, would society be gloriously unified you know would people be phenomenally happy with the government would there have been an Good. outbreak mm. of um unity between young and older people etc etc well the answer is of course it wouldn't you know i mean what the what happened with the occupy movement was it crystallized things that were going on already it didn't come out of the blue and it started by accident on that particular day yes i mean it wasn't planned um, well, th th indeed, not only was it not planned, but what was planned didn't happen. So um, Benny Tai and his colleagues were, were thinking of launching a, a civil disobedience movement on a much smaller scale, I have to say. And it wasn't then. It was, it was going to be later on mm. um, as the process of the um, democracy reforms were being discussed or implemented, which, of course, didn't happen. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't planned. Mm. The people who ended up leading it were not planned. I mean, you know, it is quite true that pe people like Joshua Wong were, were quite well known from the school student movement. I stress this, school oh, yeah. student movement. <laughs> Primary school who, who, who were, who, were who had successfully seen off plans for patriotic education in schools. But they were joined by other people who... who may well have been known to the, a small circle of colleagues yeah but there, there there was a much wider band of people who emerged as the leadership of this so what i'm saying is that that in fact the occupy movement did and uh, i say little more because it's a big thing but it is little more than crystallize underlying trends that were happening anyway there was an intense unhappiness in society there was indeed polarization and you know it takes an event to 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 bring things to a head and i was thinking about this because i was also thinking but there's also been um a lot of talk about this civil rights movement in the united states mm -hmm. and when the you know the, the famous march on selma occurred and various other things including the assassination of Martin Luther King, a lot of people said the civil rights movement, you know, in the United States is never going anywhere. It's dead. It, it, it's caused violence on the streets. It's caused its leader to be assassinated. It's made... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> what a joke. It's made harmonious society in the South, the Southern States, the United States, much more divided. Um, you know, go read that to the fairies, etc., etc. And the same sort of things are being said about the Occupy movement. You know, it didn't achieve anything. It's only spawned more radical movements. Well, of course, the civil rights movement spawned the Black Panthers and it spawned, spawned people like Stokely Carmichael, who advocated much more violent resistance to the system. So that's what happens. Mm. All I'm saying is what happens in Hong Kong isn't unique. It reflects what's happened. There's lots of historical precedents. It's a step on the road. Now, when the road reaches some sort of conclusion, as the civil rights movement did under Lyndon Johnson when all this raft of new legislation uh, came in to make the civil rights movement aspirations go into law. This will happen in Hong Kong at some stage. I'm very confident of that. And people look back and they'll say, you know that thing, that Occupy movement, maybe that's what kicked it off. Do you know what the Except really... I don't think it did. I think it, 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 it just marked another step up on the on the on the path fascinating thought for the <coughs> far off future what if i mean time takes care of a lot of bad people obviously but what if china just polar flips and in a hundred years time they look back and say well if it wasn't for those kids in hong kong we'd still have the communist party do you know what that's an entirely plausible scenario I mean, kind of among, among other <laughs> scenarios but that one is i mean it sounds pretty oh, it's dramatic wacky at yeah. the moment but, um, you know, it, it's smaller things than the, than, the, um, than the Occupy movement have caused rumbles throughout. And let's look at a communist dictatorship. It was the Prague Spring in 1968, which really, again, unplanned, threw up all sorts of people who no one had heard of, all had these, you know, unpronounceable Czech names, well, unpronounceable if you're a Brit, that is, um, you know, and people said, well, you know, they, 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 they moved in the tanks, they put that down there, we won't be hearing from them again. Well, actually, what happened was it had an immediate impact in Hungary, there were reverberations in East Germany, and eventually there were reverberations of the Prague Spring in the Soviet Union, in Russia itself. So, you know, all of these movements ignite a flame the the flame may well be extinguished as it was even more brutally in prague but it doesn't stop it getting ignited again so you know to my mind the occupy movement is part of this flame igniting i know there were a lot of candles involved at the mm. time so it's not that uh, figurative <laughs> if, if, of speech if you were somebody nothing to do with this whatsoever but you are some super duper history scholar would you look at all of the paper available to you about all of this and say the game's afoot. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and to those people who say, because they, they have a weasel-like view of history, in other words, they, you know, weasels have very short-term vision, they, they, they can't see more than a few steps ahead, and say, well, you know, after the Occupy movement ended or fizzled out, whichever way you want to look at it, what changed? Well, it's quite true, not a single... A uh, piece of statute changed to bring democracy forward to Hong Kong. You're now seeing the the long the long range revenge of the system on the people who participated in the democracy movement who are being rounded up and put into jail, and there'll be more of that going on. But it's it is part of that process, and it didn't end with the end of the democracy movement. And if anybody seriously thought that bringing democracy to Hong Kong, bringing universal suffrage to Hong Kong, was simply going to be a piece of cake. Boy, 
that's just more stupid than anything else I've heard because it was never going to be simple. I think what people perhaps underestimated was how much resistance there would be to the idea of, of Hong Kong people ruling Hong Kong, even though this was what was promised by Deng Xiaoping. But the reality is yeah. that it's being resisted. The, the level of resistance to the implementation of that idea is actually getting stronger, not weaker. Do you reckon that the word democracy really has an awful lot to do with this. I ask you this for one reason. We've got a mutual friend <coughs> who was a student in Tiananmen Square in the thick of it, and she said all the guys, all of us guys were going on about democracy. Democracy, she goes, we didn't really know what it meant. Well, that's because it doesn't have one meaning. Yeah. I, I, you, you know, I mean, um, there are people, I guarantee to you, if you went to Pyongyang today, you, and you walk around the city, I mean, aside from all the ludicrous propaganda, you, you, you talk to citizens in 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 Pyongyang, and they say we live in the People's Democratic Republic yeah, of Korea, that. and you know we have a living democracy here. So you know, I, I would I don't get hung up on on the word. I mean, democracy means very different things to very different people. I I and I'm always a bit suspicious of using it. I actually like the word self determination, yeah. which is which which has more of a meaning. It means you know, can the people themselves have an ability to determine what their government does. And in most democratic systems, that's exactly what happens. Not only do they have the ability to influence what the government does, but they have the ability to get rid of those people if they don't perform adequately. But these days in Hong Kong, Steve, do you think it really, really or solely means that? Surely it means things like we don't want to be disappearing off the streets if yes, we say something yes. that somebody doesn't like. Well, that's the point, isn't it's it? It's not necessarily it, 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 democracy. It, 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 yes, that's <laughs> the point. That's why, you know, I mean, I, I, I've heard, I've even heard them on the radio, so gosh, that's, that's as good as it gets. You know, these earnest discussions of, you know, what does it mean? Is Western democracy and Chinese democracy different? Well, you know, get, get a life... What it means is, it's a catch-all. It means people want to retain the level of liberty that exists in Hong Kong, which is very real. It means people are interested in preservation of the rule of law. It means people are worried about the domination of Hong Kong by the mainland. It means all of those things. And it means the right to elect representatives who can then go ahead uh, and, and form a government. Mm. And, you know, in the famous Churchillian phrase, it's the worst system of all except for all others that have been tried. Well, I mean, when things go wrong with people who are duly <coughs> elected in democracies, boy, oh, boy, do they go wrong. Well, you know. So, um, but what about this thing you, about... You're just, you're just thinking of America, it, aren't you? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I don't think that's the... Uh, hard to talk about this one. I mean, it works, but we're the fallible ones because we elect these yes. crooks. But, 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 but the, the, the one thing you do know is the alternative doesn't work. There has been no highly successful dictatorship that has managed to sustain itself over more than a few decades. I mean, the Chinese Communist Party is now in its sixth decade as, as a ruling party. Let's see how that... Well, sorry, it's in its seventh decade as a ruling party. Let's see how that works out. There's no dictatorship. I, I can say that without fear of qualification. There is no dictatorship that has survived as long as most democratic systems. So, surely, history must be telling us something. And people are changing. New generations are changing. New generations are changing. We don't know what's going to happen on the mainland. We, we, you know, there's, there's so many imponderables in all this. But what we do know mm. is that the people in Hong Kong, marvellously stubborn, uh, um, annoying people in Hong Kong, have a, have a kind of 
absolutely tenacious determination not to be pushed around. And that is also part of what we're talking about. There's something I don't understand in Hong Kong, and it's vaguely funny. Um, <clears throat> so, C.Y. Leung was discovered the university mag, etc., whatever. Um, don't talk about independence. Well, well, we weren't. But now you come to mention it... Well, all of these <laughs> verboten, <laughs> all of these verboten <laughs> subjects only, only go to the top of the agenda when somebody, when somebody tries to stop you uh, talking about it. what's the it. methodology of that? We're seeing it quite a lot. <coughs> it's the authoritarian mindset, which, 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 is always, which is always based in stupidity, which is, I have told you to shut up. Now you will shut up. I mean, it but, just doesn't we work in human anything. relations. You know, yeah. it doesn't work in, in in society as well. So the people, you know, somebody like C.Y. Leung, who had a few problems, I, I, th I think that doesn't exaggerate the, the situation, who simply believed in command and obey. You shut up. If you don't shut up, I'll bang you on the head. Mm. Doesn't work. Just doesn't work. Can we go to an email? Let's this is Alan. It. He says, as for the possible future impact of Occupy, etc., on China as a whole, Sun Yat-sen was Cantonese and basically organised the 1911 revolution from this area, <coughs> and Beijing surely has that in the back of their minds. Yes, yes. This is the... This is... Uh, it's a good point, though. Very. Because the, the, the abiding fear of a large, sprawling nation like China is, of course, what they call splitism. In other words, the... the, 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 the the, the weakening of the power of the centre and the assertion of the power of the, the, the far, you know, the far-lying, uh, uh, outreaching, out, outlying provinces. Yeah. So, you know, this is the compulsive fear of the people in Beijing, is that the Communist Party will be the party that sees the breakup of China. Now, of course, that doesn't have to happen, as we know. States will cooperate voluntarily and freely without coercion, but they don't see it like that. They say the only way, the only way we keep the country together is with an iron grip. Radio 3, still in with Steve Vines. Let's go to Pete's email. He says, so Carrie Lamb doesn't believe that everything needs legislative regulation, just things like oath-taking and respecting the national anthem. Then Pete says, not, in capitals, things like bus drivers' working hours and public safety. Yeah, that is a bit of a shock, isn't it? I mean... I don't know, it depends it, what the it, law is on legislating it, things. Yeah. Well, in most, in most um, jurisdictions, you, you do have laws about, um, uh, particularly for sensitive areas, about limits on, on working periods. I mean, the fact that you have a bus accident with a driver who'd apparently been doing a 13-hour shift, I'm quite surprised that, that there aren't more accidents, frankly, if that's, that's from what's... now until midnight tonight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> think about it. And, and dri you know, driving in Hong Kong traffic with a whacking great big bus, which is double-decker bus, which is what this particular gentleman was doing, ain't no picnic. I've never done it myself, but I imagine it's a very high-pressure... Especially high in this place. Yes. Blimey. So, you know, and, and apparently they don't have very nice places to... They don't have proper rest periods, and they don't have nice places... Nice places. They don't have... Some of them don't have anywhere to go in between, you know, when they actually get a break within yeah. this enormously long shift. Mm. So, you know, the idea that um, that, that it's surprising that... that we don't actually know that this was the cause of that accident, but it, the, the idea that you won't have accidents occurring because of stress and fatigue seems to me fairly bizarre. And Carrie Lamb's instant 
um, response to this is, oh, well, you know, we don't necessarily have to, 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 to regulate it. We, we, we can hold discussions with the bus companies. Well, yeah, it's very persuasive. I mean, this comes from a lifelong bureaucrat who you know, would regulate a cup of tea if there was any uh, And apparently doesn't of, of, ride on of, too many buses. Yeah, but, uh, well, well, remember, Carrie Lamb doesn't really do that sort of thing. This is the Carrie Lamb who didn't know how to get into the MTR using Octopus Card because it all seemed... It was all strange new world to her, so you know, um, and didn't know the price of you know price of rice and all the rest of it. So I mean, she she like so many of these civil servants doesn't actually live in the same world that the majority of Hong Kong people live in. Probably doesn't know that um, you know the buses are sort of carry a lot of people. Apparently, some of them going to work, some of them going on leisure purposes. Godness, goodness knows what they're using the buses for. So I'm not saying axiomatically that you have to have legislation for working hours although as i say it is quite common in other jurisdictions mm. but you know this kind of oh well we'll have a little word with the bus companies and <coughs> maybe well, if it's you know if there's an hour in the month we'll, we'll 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 say to them something should be done i mean there are very real problems that the bus companies and in fact lots of employers have in hong kong is that there's not enough people which is why the shifts are so long mm. there is of course a willingness of the drivers to work remember they're not forced to do these long shifts but because the basic levels of pay are so low the temptation to to you know make more money by doing long shifts is obviously there make a better living for themselves and their families i understand why people would do that but you know at the other end of the spectrum can be literally catastrophic effects. Life and death. Yes. I mean, this was pretty catastrophic. Whatever yeah. happened, it, you know. Yeah, as I said, I think, you know, we have to be a bit cautious because we don't actually know... <clears throat> of course. ...precisely <coughs> it, it, what sh- happened in that case. Should the question be, why hasn't it been done ages ago? Well, indeed. And, and Not well, as why, ever, why can't she do it now? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's like all these people clucking around in Britain saying, who knew that there was danger of fire in high-rise buildings when you didn't have water sprinklers? Well after the tragedy at Grenfell Towers, everybody now knows about the need for water sprinklers. I mean, it's clearly not a good thing, but if it does one good thing, these tragedies should be focusing the minds on solution rather than focusing the minds on setting up a new committee. What about Pete's comparison here? He says everything, uh, (coughs) just things like oath-taking and respecting the national anthem... Um, is it the typical case of different budget? Yeah, different budget, different uh, different priority. You know, one is one is something that the bosses up north are really, really interested in, and human life on the streets of Hong Kong. Well, yes, yes, that would be nice. But tell me this: wouldn't we're it, in favour of that. You know, you and I, as people who do use buses and trains and all sorts of stuff, wouldn't it be simple, surely, for the bus company to be told they will work eight hours? Yeah, no, it would it. be. Actually. They will work eight it hours. Be. It would be. But, but you know, you would get kickback from the employees themselves because they're low-paid and they want to work more. Oh, and you'll pay them more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, but that's the, that's the key thing here. And also, because Hong Kong <coughs> has a really cockamamie system of, of allowing um, the importation of labour, when it, when it comes to somebody who's a really, you know, needed in society, like a banker, the paperwork for bringing them in from abroad flies through the system like you know like no one no one can see it when you need somebody to do a more main mundane but essential job like a nurse like a bus driver like cetera, a domestic helper let's get in there yeah, as well like a domestic helper or, or a cook you know particularly as we have so many radio presenter they have those in hong kong gosh who knew yeah but but you know all, all i'm saying is 
<coughs> it's not a level playing field. The immigration system and the system of issuing work permits is not is not one which is um, equally applied across the board. So, you know, that needs to be looked at as well because there are very profound labour shortages in key areas. Mm. Well, I hope, I mean, I hope for the sake of blokes who do this for a job <coughs> that something gets sorted. So do I. I mean, because, you know, I if things go on as they are, obviously this will happen again. I don't yeah. think there's any doubt about it's that. Waiting, waiting to happen. All yeah. right, then. Well, um, oh, did you know? No, 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 this is interesting. Did you know that the institution of marriage ended this week? Oh, yeah. Don't oh, we? right, legally. Yes. No, we don't. Gosh, I mean, oh, throughout Hong Kong. Well, you remember when they, the Hong Kong Bank um, put the rainbow colours on, on, on the lions or uh, outside its headquarters, and that turned half the population into homosexuals just by walking, walking. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I tell you, I tell you. The amount of mincing that went on in front of those dragons is unbelievable. Just like that. Just like that. So now we've had this ruling in the High Court saying that the lower court um, were erred in its interpretation of whether a, a, a same-sex legally established partnership overseas can be used as a basis for an application for a spouse entry into Hong Kong. Said, you know, you know, there's no reason why. The, the fact that, that gay marriage isn't legal in Hong Kong doesn't mean that we don't recognise the paperwork. But coming here when you, when you already are yes, married. <laughs> we want you to be dismarried. Dude, I mean, that's unmarried. What, yeah, unmarried, whatever it is. <laughs> so, anyway, but you've got the usual clucker, cluckerati going around going, oh, intermarriage, oh, 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 values destroyed, oh, oh, dear me, God, everyone will do it now. Well, you know, God, 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 God. Yeah, here we are in the 21st century. Where most most countries are going, oh for God's sake, get on with it. This is not this is not something that that you you you're, you're supposed to be spending more than a nanosecond on. You know, it's like Saudi Arabia going to the United Nations this week and triumphantly announcing Hurrah. that by the grace of Allah, women were going to be allowed to drive. Well, Saudi Arabia, boy, you think that brings you into the 21st century? You've got a long road to travel before you get there. I know we shouldn't knock any signs of progress, and I certainly don't knock this as being an important ruling in Hong Kong's courts, but it ain't the full deal. And all those people who've been, you know, wailing and gnashing their teeth and saying, you know, gosh, if, if, if same-sex partners are allowed to, to, to marry or have some sort of legal status, it's going to destroy the institution of marriage. I would say to them, boy, the institution of marriage must be pretty weak yeah. if, if, you know, if it can't sustain that sort of... Uh, it's not even a challenge. It's the right of other people. Uh, but incidentally, I do think, I do think that, that, that it, it would be a good idea to make homosexuality compulsory. <laughs> I, I, I can't see a single argument against that. I believe that this is an inevitable consequence of this particular ruling, and it will be compulsory, particularly in schools. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean... And I say that to all my friends who, who, who have strong, strong religious beliefs. Well, this, is, this has happened before. I mean, this, this, the sim sorry, <coughs> similar has happened yeah. before in Hong Kong, where partners um, have been here. One, the partner, who's I know for one for sure, so it has happened, except yeah. the partner wasn't a dependent. It was like a glorified um, tourist visa. Yeah. I mean, there, there are way, there's ways around all of but, these things, but you know, why... But it why wasn't blown on, up, you know. That's I like, know, but why on earth would you do it? That's my, my you know, why not just, re just recognise that 
some people of same sex want to get married to each other. Some people or already are, were. That's the important or already thing. Already were, yeah. but you know, I think that right should be extended to people in Hong Kong. Um, you know, if it's not for you, don't do it. That would be my very strong recommendation. If you feel that gay marriage is not for you, my absolute tip for the day is don't do it. Mm-hmm.